welcome back to our teaching in the book of Matthew. Now, the last time we were here at the end of chapter 26, and remember, we did chapter 26 in two videos, of course, because of the length. But the last time we were here, we were taken back to the time in which Judas had come to the Garden of Gethsemane after Jesus had finished praying with a band of soldiers to arrest Jesus. Jesus confronted the soldiers because they had came to him as if he was some type of a thief or a robber with this great band to arrest him in the middle of the night. But nevertheless, he still submitted to them and that he understood that it was their time to do that which God himself had appointed for them to do. And so Judas came unto Jesus and he betrayed Jesus, we know, with a kiss. And in doing so, he sealed his own fate as well as the fate of Jesus. Then we continued on as the soldiers had arrested Jesus and had taken him according to the account of Matthew. And we have to remember as we deal with these specific gospel accounts here, Matthew, that he is not trying to tell us every simple detail. But what we'll also recognize in Matthew is Matthew gives us a somewhat of a condensed version of things that were surrounding Jesus's arrest as well as his uh, trial before the Sanhedrin and the trial before Pilate as well as his ultimate crucifixion. But the point that I'm trying to relate is Matthew is not trying to give and none of the gospel writers are every detail in the order in which they were given. Now, when we get to Luke, we'll find out that Luke gives it in the order in the event of which we, these things happened, but nevertheless, none of them are trying to give every detail. We have to source all four gospels to put together the whole picture of the which, since we are studying the gospel of Matthew, we won't do. But nevertheless, so Matthew continues on, at night, because remember that Jesus was arrested at night by going to the household of Caiaphas, who was the high priest at that time. And basically we saw a preliminary trial. It was illegal in how they did so. Now go back and watch the video, the last video that I did on that to talk about the different illegal actions that they took during the so-called trial, arrest and trial of Jesus. But nevertheless, it was illegal because you couldn't have a trial at night. But nevertheless, in their preliminary judgment of Jesus, they found him guilty of blasphemy. That is, he declared himself to be God. And then we saw those who were gathered together from amongst the Sanhedrin began to abuse Jesus and ridicule Jesus by hitting him, slapping him and spitting on him, demanding that he should prophesy since he was the Christ. Now, while all of these events were going on, the final section deals with Peter. As we can recall what Peter had said to Jesus when Jesus said when they were going out to the Garden of Gethsemane, Mount of Olives, he said, tonight, this night, all of you will run away from me, flee away from me because it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And Peter, in his normal bravado, speaking up as he normally does, he said that he would never betray Jesus, that he would never deny Jesus. And so what we see in the continuation of the events of Jesus' trial 
is the fulfillment of Jesus' words concerning Peter's denial. As Peter was approached three times and it was on that third denial that Jesus' prophetic words were fulfilled and that it, the cock, the rooster crowed and Peter recalled to his memory that Jesus had foretold that he would deny him. And so he left out and he began to weep bitterly in true repentance. And that's something that we need to see as we prepare to get into chapter 27 and look at what was the reaction of Judas concerning Jesus and how that was different than the reaction of Peter concerning Jesus. And there are two different Greek words that I use metanoia for Peter, which deals with repentance, a true repentance, uh, 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 a harshness of the spirit, a uh, uh, breaking of the spirit because of what one has done. And then when we get to Judas, we're going to see a different word, metamelami, which deals with a sadness because of the way things turned out. But we're not going to get there quite yet. But nevertheless, Peter left out and he, in his weeping, he found true repentance. Okay. Now with all of that, we'll get into chapter 27, but like chapter 26, 27 is very long and God willing, we'll break this up into two videos. So let's just deal with the first half of chapter 27 as we continue on now after the night has passed and we move into the next morning in dealing specifically once again with Matthew's condensed account reflection of the events that led to Jesus's upcoming guilt by Pilate. All right. Now, when morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed. And he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, it is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury since it is the price of blood. And they conferred together with the money bought and they conferred together and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah, the prophet was fulfilled and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Okay. So now we get into chapter 27, as we see in the end of chapter 26, there was Peter's repent, repentant remorse. But now we're going to see Judas's remorse. And as I said to you guys earlier, there is a difference, but nevertheless, so now it is morning. And what happened? Remember the trial that they had at night was an illegal trial. So what we do see here now is a gathering of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious leaders here, formally, formally 
to come together to condemn Jesus. Although they had already done this, this was already a done deal. All we have here is simply ratification of what they had decided already. So they're just simply going through the motions so that they can get this legal verdict that they already had determined to do. That is to find Jesus guilty and put him to death. And so what did they do? They bound Jesus up after coming to that verdict and they led him away to Pilate, the governor. Now, the reason why they led him away to Pilate, the governor, was simply because under Rome, it was illegal for the Jewish people to execute a man. So they could not execute or they could not engage in capital punishment. And it was also the mindset of those leaders that they wanted the Roman governor to condemn Jesus and have him put to death. So nevertheless, Pilate being found in Jerusalem at that time, and as I've already told you, that Pilate lived normally in Caesarea, but during certain festive days when the population of Jerusalem would expand, and remember we are now at the time of the Passover, and a lot of Jewish people had come into uh, Jerusalem at this particular time. So Pilate would sometimes come there and stay in his house or in his palace in Jerusalem to maintain peace and order in Jerusalem. So Pilate was there and they had gotten Jesus ready, bound him over to take him to Pilate so that Pilate could condemn Jesus to death by Roman law and therefore the Romans would therefore execute Jesus by virtue of crucifixion. But now we turn to Judas. So Judas now having a change of heart, when Judas saw the outcome of what had happened to Jesus, we don't know everything that was in Judas's mind. Therefore, it would be dangerous and illegitimate to speculate what was in Judas's mind. All we know and have is what the scriptures say about Judas in that Judas felt remorse when he saw the outcome, when he saw that Jesus was literally condemned to the death penalty, he regretted what he had done. And now this word for that we deal with feeling of remorse, that's that term that I was telling you guys earlier, metamelomai, metamelomai, which means to regret the outcome of a thing. This is different for the word that is used for Peter, metanoia, which metanoio, which literally means a true repentance of a thing, a change of mind, a repentance in heart. And that's why we see Peter grieving about this particular thing. Judas did not repent of his sins. Judas only hated the outcome, and therefore we see in our translation, it said not repent, but regretted. Judas regretted the outcome of seeing Jesus being condemned. And so having those 30 pieces of silver with him was a constant reminder of what he had done in having his master condemned unto death. So he went back to the Jewish leaders and told them that he had done wrong. And so therefore he regretted what he had done and wanted to give back the 30 pieces of silver. The Jewish leaders had no more, or should I even say, no further use of Judas at that time. No further use of Judas at that time. And so they just simply said to him, what does that mean to us? 
And so we can see the callousness of those leaders after they had used Judas to accomplish what they wanted, which was to get Jesus at a private place away from the public so as not to cause a riot. So they said to Jesus, Judas, what is that to us? That's your business. And so Judas took those 30 pieces of silver and threw it into the temple sanctuary and went away and hang himself because of grief. Once again, Judas is not showing repentance. Judas's suicide is a result of seeing the outcome of this thing. So nevertheless, even though you may have heard that in some sense, Judas found some sort of redemption, he did not. Jesus told him again, woe unto the man who betrays the son of man. Why? It would have been best he had never been born. So therefore, if Judas had found true repentance, then he would have life. But instead, Judas did not have life. He found death, death by his own hands, and he will find eternal damnation when he died because he went straight to hell at that time. But nevertheless, taking those 30 pieces of silver, the chief priests and the elders did not think, now look how they think, that it was not a righteous thing to take that money and put it back into the temple sanctuary since they had used that money to get to pay for Jesus' life, a price of blood. This was blood money. And they think the hypocritical righteousness of these men is without violence. I just don't understand it. But nevertheless, in their hypocrisy of righteousness, they didn't think that it would be good to pay, take the money and put it back into the temple treasury because it was blood money. So what they did, and we find this is uh, put together for us also in the book of Acts. But of course, we can't get into those details. They took those 30 pieces of silver and bought a field to bury strangers, that is to bury Gentiles, Gentiles, foreigners who come into the land of Jerusalem. So they took that money and bought this particular field, Hakadama, Hakadama, which they call the field of blood. And so they took this money, bought the field of blood in Judas's name. And this is and this is what Matthew began to say fulfills that which was spoken of by Jeremiah, the prophet. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one that has been set and bought the field, the potter's field. They bought. And this was nothing but a clay field to the which the potter would go out and get clay to be used to fashion pottery into earthen vessels. OK, the potter's field. And they took part of that. And they made that part a cemetery to bury Gentiles. Now, let's talk about very briefly this issue that Matthew quotes Jeremiah the prophet. Clearly, this was not a quotation from Jeremiah's mouth. This was a quotation from Zechariah chapter 11 that it talks about the price of the shepherd, the price that was paid for the shepherd. That is the price paid for Jesus from Jeremiah, the price paid for his services, but it speaks of Jesus, but the price paid for the shepherd and this money was taken to be, to be used to buy the potter's field. So this was a prophecy, a prophetic utterance of Zechariah. 
So what is going on that Matthew quotes Jeremiah? All right. To tell you guys in a very shortened form is this. Matthew is not making an error, nor did he forget. What we find is many times when Jewish uh, writers would quote the Old Testament, Jewish people would quote the Old Testament. Say, for instance, if they want to quote any part of Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books was called the law. They would simply sometimes call it the law. So they can quote any of those five books and call it the law. Or sometimes they may quote the Psalm, which would be the Psalms, the writings, the Psalm inclusive of the, of the writings also. That is Psalm, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. They would sometimes simply call it the Psalms. And also, too, because Jeremiah was considered the chief of the prophets, when they would quote one of the prophetic books, sometimes they would quote it simply by Jeremiah because Jeremiah is considered to be chief of the prophets. So and Zechariah and that's and if you'll notice and we're going to get in all of the details, which I don't supposed to be doing, even as we sometimes call Jeremiah one of the minor prophets. OK, but they would simply call it that which was written or spoken of by Jeremiah. So they would simply call it this because Jeremiah was the chief of the prophets, even though Matthew would understand full well that it was Zechariah who quoted these things. But nevertheless, it is a fulfillment of that which was spoken of by Zechariah, which talked about the price that was paid for the shepherd and this 30 pieces of silver was to be returned and cast into the temple. So we see this being fulfilled in the actions of Judah. So what have we seen? We have seen basically in this section, the, the, the chief priests have gathered together in the Sanhedrin officially in the morning to condemn Jesus to death bind him over and prepare to take him to Pilate. And we see the remorse of Judas, that is the regret of Judas because of how the situation turned out. And Judas is casting the money, returning it back to the chief priest by casting it into the temple. They refused to put it into the temple uh, treasury because it was blood money. And we see further, they taken that money and buying a field in Judas's name, Halkadama, the field of blood. And this will fulfill that which was spoken of by Zechariah, the prophet here quoted by Matthew as Jeremiah. Why? Because Jeremiah is the chief of the prophets. Okay, so now let's move on to our next section where Jesus now has been taken to Pilate. What you have to keep in mind is, again, Matthew is not giving us all of the details involved. He is giving us a condensed version of these events. His primary objective is to show that Jesus is condemned by Pilate, the governor. That's his primary objective and not to get into all of the minutia of things that took place. Okay. Verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor questioned him saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, it is as you say. 
And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Okay, now let's just deal with this section so we won't get too lengthy. So now Jesus is brought before Pilate and the mindset of the leaders is to, to, get, to gain from Pilate an official judgment of guilt from Pilate so that Pilate would have Jesus put to death. And of course, Jesus would be put to death by Roman execution. So this is what they're looking for. So as they bring Jesus before Pilate, they are railing a number of accusations against Jesus to the which none of them are really sticking. <clears throat> so Pilate asks Jesus straightforward, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus just simply answered him those basically two Greek words, you say, or, and, and here it says, it is as you say. So Jesus, for the most part, affirms that he is the king of the Jews. But we'll find out as, and again, like we said, we cannot put all of the gospel, that is to harmonize all of the gospel accounts together. But it is, I believe it's in the gospel of John, where Jesus says that his kingdom is not of this earth. Matthew doesn't go through all of those details because Matthew's primary objective in his gospel is Jesus of Nazareth, Messiah, King of the Jews. That's one of his primary themes in his gospel. Jesus is King of the Jews. So in highlighting that particular theme, Matthew just simply condenses this occasion, the account, his recording in this account where, where Pilate asked him, is he a king? And Jesus simply affirms that he is a king. Okay. And then while Jesus is still standing there, he is being, uh, uh, Pilate is being barotted. A lot of accusations are coming from the chief priest. They are struggling to find ways to convince Pilate to condemn Jesus to the point that Pilate is somewhat amused at how hard that they are trying to convict Jesus. And so he kind of turns to Jesus and say, do you not hear all of these charges, the things that they are saying, bringing against you? And Jesus did not open his mouth to the point that Pilate became amazed that Jesus offered no defense of himself. And one of the reasons we see Jesus offered no defense of himself is all of those charges. He was not guilty of any of them. So therefore he needed not offer a defense against those particular charges. But nevertheless, Pilate still was, he marveled. He was really amused that Jesus kept silent in a serious situation like this, because here Jesus, even the very nature of the charge would be sedition. And ultimately that's what Jesus is going to be charged with sedition. That is by claiming himself to be king, he is making himself a rival king against the Roman power. That is against Caesar himself. This is a charge of sedition and the punishment for sedition would be the death penalty. So it is a very serious case. And this is why we can see Pilate marveling as the Jews are struggling so hard to try to condemn Jesus 
of this very thing to have him put to death. But let's continue. 15. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy, they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, have nothing to do with that righteous man for last night. I suffered a great, I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas, Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, crucify him. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, his blood shall be upon us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Okay, so now as the religious leaders are pummeling Pilate with the reasons to put Jesus to death, Pilate remembered that this was the time. Remember, this is the time of the Passover. And Pilate had established that was, it was customary that at the Passover feast, Pilate, in trying to uh, gather, garner for himself some sort of a good relations with the Jewish people, he would hand over to them a prisoner of their choice. And so what Pilate was trying to do at this time was he was trying to get Jesus released because he understood that the religious leaders were envious of Jesus. And for this reason, they brought him before Pilate and trying to have him crucified. So Pilate knew what the game was all about. So what he tried to do was get Jesus released for himself, thinking that if he gave the people a choice, and that is, there was a certain one amongst the people by the name of Barabbas. And this Barabbas, now once again, we can't get into all of the gospel accounts concerning Barabbas, but it is spoken of in other accounts how this Barabbas was a robber, how he was also one who had, who and a murderer, and one who had caused sedition. In other words, a robber, he had murdered, he was guilty of murder, and causing seditious. He was bringing up a riot against Rome. He was causing some type of a riot, Jewish people leading a Jewish revolt against Rome. But nevertheless, with an awful person like Barabbas, Pilate was thinking to himself, if I gave the people a choice, surely they would choose Jesus, whom they say is their Christ, their Messiah, 
over against Barabbas. So this is what Pilate sought to do. So he brought, he's bringing them out. So you got Jesus and you have Barabbas there. And then he sets before the Jewish people the question, who do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, and you guys know who he is and what a crook that he is. Or do you want me to release for you Jesus, whom you call the Christ, your Messiah? And all the while, the religious leaders were busy influencing the people that they should ask for Barabbas. And so by the time that Pilate asked the question and got an answer for the people, the leaders were successful in influencing the people. And so when Pilate said, okay, fine, who do you want me to release for you? And they said, give us Barabbas. And this shocked Pilate <laughs> again. And so Pilate to the point, well, what shall I do with the one that you call your Messiah, the Christ, Jesus, what shall I do with him? And with one accord, all of the people imagine being at a football game and you got a lot of people out there and the, 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 the chief priests and the religious leaders are like the cheerleaders uh, uh, leading the people in what they should say. And so Pilate said, so what should I do with Jesus whom you call the Christ? And the people said with one voice, let him be crucified. And this shocked Pilate in so much that Pilate asked, why? What evil has he done? In other words, what has Jesus done that deserves crucifixion? Now, when we, when we compare that to Barabbas, Barabbas surely had done things worthy of being put to death. Two things for certain. Number one, he was a murderer. And number two, he had led sedition, a revolt against Rome. So Barabbas surely had done things worthy of death, but Jesus had done nothing. And therefore this judgment by the people shocked Pilate. And what did he do? And so after doing that, Pilate trying in an attempt to show that he was innocent of Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped something. Wow. Wow. Pilate had Jesus before him trying to determine Jesus's fate, preparing to present him before the people for the choice that they had make. Something unusual happened. His wife sent a note to him saying to you remember now you got to keep it in mind Pilate is on the judgment seat it would seem an unusual thing for his wife to send a note to him while he is in an official act the official act of judging Jesus at the time but nevertheless she does this thing which lets us know that it was most grievous what had happened to her to her in this particular dream but the point of the note was do not be involved in this situation in what they're trying to do to Jesus. And notice what she said about Jesus. She called him a righteous man. So therefore she is letting her husband know that which Pilate is already aware of that Jesus is a righteous man, that he had done nothing deserving of death. But in the note, she said she suffered a nightmare. Now we have no idea what was in her nightmare. She just simply said she had horrible dream because of Jesus. And so therefore you can see Pilate even struggling more so to try to get Jesus 
release. So that's what we can say about Pilate in that he did try to make an attempt to get Jesus released. But nevertheless, as the people demanded for the release of Barabbas and the crucifixion of Jesus, Pilate began to notice that instead of him uh, accomplishing what he had determined to do, that is to get Jesus released, instead of that, a riot was beginning to form. And you have to remember, one of the primary reasons for Pilate being the governor of Judea is to keep the peace. Rome wanted to keep the peace. What is happening now? A riot is beginning to start. And so Pilate simply tries to keep the riot, keep the riot from ever starting and simply hands Jesus over to the will of the people. And what does he do by washing his hands in front of the crowd? Pilate is trying to say that he is washing his hands from this thing in, de in dealing with Jesus. He is innocent, but that is a lie. Why? Even though Pilate tried to get Jesus free, he tried to set Jesus free. He had the power as the Roman governor. Remember, the Jewish leaders had brought Jesus before Pilate in order that Pilate would give a judgment of guilty and condemn Jesus to death. Sole authority was in the hands of Pilate. So Pilate could have simply said to the Jewish leaders, he could have said to the people, I find no fault in this man and therefore I determined him to be not guilty. But Pilate did not. He became a coward. And so that he, there are other things in the gospel. We can't, remember we keep saying that where in Pilate's efforts to have Jesus released and the Jewish leaders are going to say to him, this man makes himself king and we have no king other than Caesar. And if you release Jesus, you are not Caesar's friend. And this is why Pilate ultimately condemned Jesus to death. He released Jesus into the hands of the people and therefore found Jesus guilty condemning him to death is because, and we can't get into it, but just let me bring it to you. Even at that time, Pilate was not in good uh, relations with Caesar at that time. So the last thing that Pilate needed was the Jewish leaders to send a letter to Caesar, letting them know that there was a man calling himself to be king, that is Jesus that there was a man, Jesus, who called himself to be king and Pilate having this time that he could condemn Jesus, Pilate, instead of condemning Jesus, let him go. This is why Pilate uh, condemned Jesus and released Jesus to the will of the people. It was in a self-serving manner because he did not want a bad report, uh, to, to a bad report against himself to Caesar. But, and so what does he do? He washes his hand. The washing of his hand did not relieve him of his own personal responsibility. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. You can wash your hands all you want, Pilate. You had the power and the authority to set Jesus free, but you didn't for self-serving reasons. Therefore, you too, Pilate is also guilty of the blood of Jesus.
But anyway, so when he did these things, there came back the response of the people saying his blood be upon us and upon our children. And these words was a prophetic word. They didn't understand it at the time, but it was surely prophetic. Why? Because for the death of Jesus, this is what happened with the 70 AD. And if you've been with me dealing with uh, uh, the Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, this is why Matthew was answering one of the questions. Okay. But let's not get into all of that. His blood be upon us and our children. This was fulfilled with the 70 AD destruction by Rome under General Titus when there was a great massacre of the Jewish people at that time. So they had no idea their words would literally come back to haunt them. But indeed, the blood of Jesus would be charged, as Jesus said many times, this generation Woe unto this generation. And this was fulfilled by their own mouths in 70 AD. Then in final verse in 26, he said that he released Barabbas and he sent Jesus out to be scourged and handed him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Now let's talk about that because there, even though Matthew again, giving us a condensed version, we need to understand what was taking place. So they handed, they freed, so they freed Barabbas according to the custom. Okay, he is now set free. Jesus is handed over to the Roman soldiers for scourging. Now, even though Matthew is giving us a condensed account, when, when Pilate handed him over for scourging, he did not hand Jesus over for scourging then so that immediately after afterwards, Jesus would be crucified. That's not what Pilate did. This is why we have to bring into account the other gospels, but I'm not going to get into the details of the other gospels as I've said before, but I want to highlight what's going on here. When Pilate sent Jesus out for the scourging, I believe this in the gospel of John that it speaks about this in more detail. He sent Jesus out to be scourged by the Romans in order that after seeing Jesus beaten by the Romans, maybe then the Jewish leaders would be satisfied with Jesus's beating. That's why Pilate said, behold the man. And there are other reasons why he said that too. I made a video concerning that as well, but he sent him out to be beaten so that the leaders hopefully would be with, with it. In other words, does this satisfy you with the beating? And nevertheless, the beating of Jesus did not satisfy the Jewish leaders. They still wanted Jesus to be crucified. So that's why we say Matthew simply gives a condensed account of these events. More things happen, but Matthew just simply says, he gave, he gave up trying to get Jesus free. Jesus was scourged and then sent to be crucified. But there was more to be opened up. He was scourged so that he was beaten by the Roman soldiers so that he is saying to the Jewish leaders, does this satisfy you? That did not satisfy them. They wanted Jesus to be put to death. Now, why is this important? The scourging of Jesus important in order, in order to satiate 
the blood appetite of the Jewish leaders. Why did Pilate do that? You have to understand what the scourging was. Now, compared to the Jews, this was, this was a punishment by whipping uh, the one that had been uh, being tried or whatever, by whipping. The Jews had a leather whip to the which they would whip a man on his backside. They would whip a man only on the backside, okay? And they could only give a man 40 lashes. And the whip was basically, sometimes it would have a wooden handle and it would have leather straps to it, leather straps that come out of it. And they would whip the person. So a wooden handle with leather straps and they would hit the person no more than 40 times. So in order to make sure they didn't hit a person more than 40 times, the Jews had made it a rule to only strike 39 just in case they skipped and forgot a number. Okay, so there was 39. So the whipping would be a good whipping, but it would not be that severe. You could easily survive that. That would be nothing to survive that. But the Romans whipping was quite different. The Roman whip would have a wooden handle and it also too would have leather straps. But inside the leather straps of the Roman whip would be cut pieces of glass broken bone and pieces of stone in those leather thrones, in those leather thongs that would be those glass, bone, and stone. The idea was when you would be hit by the Roman whip, every time it hit you, it would pull away skin and chunks of flesh from the person. It would pull away what? Skin and chunks of flesh from the person. And unlike the Jews, when the Romans whipped you, they hit you all over. Remember, the Jews only hit the backside. But when the Romans hit you, it would hit you all over with that whip. And the Romans would hit you an undetermined or unspecified number. They did not simply stop like the Jews at 40 stripes. Who knows? how many times that they hit Jesus. So the Roman scourging was absolutely severe. Oftentimes, many people would not survive a Roman scourging. So when they whipped Jesus, when the Romans whipped Jesus, they beat him nearly to death. They beat him unrecognizable. And this is the reason, I don't want to get into it, but I find myself going to talk about it. And this is the reason why Pilate, after they had scourged Jesus and presented Jesus back, this is the reason why Pilate said, behold the man. Why? Because Jesus was beaten, you could not even recognize Jesus anymore. And so Pilate said, this is Jesus that you brought to me. Is this enough? What I have done to him, is that enough? And therefore, well, he didn't even understand. They didn't even understand. They were literally fulfilling Isaiah 52 when it said that Jesus would be beaten in an unrecognizable fashion, that he was presented as a man, one whose physical appearance was marred greater than any of the sons of men. Okay, calming down, slowing down. 
when talking about the beating of Jesus, this actually is a fulfillment of Isaiah 52. I think it's verse number 14 talking about how the physical appearance of Jesus because of his beating would cause his appearance to be unrecognizable. What does that mean? Remember what I told you about the, the comparison, or should I even say, the contrasting of the beating between Jews and the Romans. The Jews would only hit the back. The Romans hit you anywhere. Remember the whip the Jews used, simply a leather whip. The Romans, leather with stone and bone and glass in it. The Romans hit Jesus in his face with that whip. And therefore, they, they so disconfigured Jesus' face with that whip until his face was no longer recognizable. That's what Pilate meant when he said, behold the man, because what the Jesus that they brought in the beginning was not even recognized as the Jesus that they brought when the Romans got through scourging him. But enough of that. This is what they did to our Lord. Because this is what we deserve. Okay, okay, I won't get emotional. And finally, he just simply said, he handed him over to be crucified. Okay, let's finish this final section here and we'll stop right here. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. As they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they pressed into service to bear his cross. Okay, now in this section, we deal with the mocking of Jesus by the Roman soldiers. So they know about the charge, the charge of sedition, calling himself a king. And so it was in this manner that the Roman soldiers took Jesus into the place that palace, the palace into which Pat, to which Pilate was living at the time. They called the Praetorium here. And there they began to mock Jesus as the Roman soldiers surrounded Jesus. They took him and stripped off Jesus's clothes. And you can see the embarrassment. Now, you got to remember he has already been scourged, right? So what does his body look like at the time? You would think that they would begin to pity him. They had no pity on Jesus's stripped flesh from his face, his arms, his chest, his back. Because when they scourged you, they took your clothes off. They had no pity. 
So after they had taken Jesus' clothes off, they put on a red robe because they're trying to ridicule and mock Jesus as being a king. And then they took this a scar that they took a crown of thorns for a crown, a king has a crown, and they put it. Can you imagine that? He's already been beaten, and now you take a thorny crown that they have made and press it into his head. Can you imagine how it must have made our Lord just draw up as they placed that? They probably held his arms and placed that thing upon his head. And then they took a reed as a makeshift staff. So now you got him dressed like a king with a makeshift crown on his head and a staff and the Roman soldiers all mocking him and surrounding him and kneeling him saying what? Hell, hell, king of the Jews. And as they did that, the thing that makes me hot. Now, this is the one thing I find. I, I don't know. It's un, I don't. It's just rough. Spit on him. That just simply shows you are nothing. It is one of the most condescending acts. I can take you slapping me more than you spitting in my face. I can take the slap better than the spit in the face. And here they are spitting in the face of the son of God. But I can understand our Lord even later on. I know I'm premature. I know I'm premature, but I can understand when my Lord said, forgive them. They don't have the slightest idea of what they are doing. And shall I even say into whom they were doing this too. But nevertheless, what did they do? Spat on his head. And remember, he had this crown of thorn upon his head and they took the reed from him and began to beat him over his head with that thorny crown on his head. So all they did was just make that thing go deeper into his scalp and press into his skull and just the blood, the blood, you can just see it running down his face. The blood running from his back, from his arm, from his chest. Why? Because of that beating with that Roman whip. And they ridiculed him. And once the ridicule was over, once the soldiers finally had their little moment, they put his clothes back on him and they took him out to the cross. But then we see in verse number 32, ready to be crucified. What happened? As they're taking him, you see this man by the name of Simon from Cyrene. That is a Jewish man by the name of Simon. He's a Jewish man who comes from Cyrene because remember all the Jewish men were supposed to be in Jerusalem during the three major feast days, Passover, uh, uh, Pentecost and in gatherings. This is time of the Passover. So he is there present at this time, seeing and witnessing these things as Jesus is now coming up the road, going toward Golgotha to be crucified. This man, Simon is pressed into service to bear Jesus cross. What is going on? You have to understand what is going on. Why is Simon doing this? Remember what I told you about the Roman scourging. Very many people die in the Roman scourging. When they whip, they beat Jesus unrecognizable. Remember the Roman whip, 
the one with the bone, the stone and the glass, the steel in it designed to literally strip the flesh and strip the skin from your bone. Remember the bleeding that Jesus. Okay. All I'm trying to make you see is this. Jesus was beaten so bad until he, it, it, it was just the top portion. He is not just that upward beam. That other beam that's standing straight up is going to already be out there waiting on him. He's just simply carrying that, that horizontal beam. He couldn't carry it because he was beaten so bad. And so therefore they had to get this man, Simon, to carry Jesus's beam. And by the carrying of this beam, it was a witness to everybody who saw you carrying this, that you were worthy of the death sentence, that whatever they had judged you in, the judgment was just and you were worthy of being put to death. So it was still what? A public spectacle. So what do we see? Okay, it's fine. So now we're going to close this section. <laughs> Let's cover what we saw. We saw that in the beginning, what? Judas's remorse and how he returned the silver to the chief priests and how they used that particular money to buy the potter's field. Then we saw, and that is along with, along with the official judgment by the Jewish leaders to put Jesus to death by the Sanhedrin. Then we see what the Jewish leaders bringing Jesus to Pilate because they wanted to get the official condemnation of the Roman government in order to have Jesus put to death and how they did everything that they could in throwing all types of accusations against Jesus to put him to death. Pilate knew that they were trying to put Jesus to death because of their envy. And Pilate himself was amazed in how when he had questioned Jesus about these things, Jesus just simply said, okay, I am, as you say, and the leaders constantly ram, 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 ram trying to get you. And Pilate just simply found it an amazing thing how Jesus answered nothing. And we saw Pilate, what, engaging in trying to get Jesus set free because he knew this was nothing but a setup for Jesus. And we saw how his wife sending the note warning Pilate. But the point is we see Pilate trying to get Jesus set free, but he was in the end unsuccessful and the Jewish people being influenced by their leaders asked for a thief, robber, a murderer, one guilty of sedition to be set free and demanded instead for Jesus to be crucified. And finally we saw what? Jesus being scourged by Pilate. Now we understand that Matthew simply gave a condensed review of this thing and that Jesus' scourging was to satisfy the leaders in order that Pilate might set him free. But Matthew just simply brought it all together, how Jesus was scourged and then led out to be crucified and those Roman soldiers then taking Jesus into the palace hall and mocking Jesus, dressing him as some type of a makeshift king, ridiculing Jesus and persecuting Jesus and then afterwards leading Jesus out, taking him out to be crucified. But Jesus, because of his mistreatment and abuse through the night and during that morning, 
Jesus could no longer even bear his own cross. And therefore they had to press Simon into service to bear Jesus' cross because he collapsed because of the abuse and the exhaustion. Okay, let's stop there. Thanks guys for joining me with that in dealing with the first section of Jesus' crucifixion. The next time we come back, come back and we'll finish chapter 27 and deal with the issues that are involved around Jesus' actual crucifixion. And we're going to see a couple of new things that a lot of times people don't mention about. That is those drinks that they are offering Jesus. But I'm not gonna to get to it right now. But come back as we talk about the crucifixion of Jesus and what Jesus suffered in his final hours before his death. All right, guys. See you next time.